One Time Run Podcast. Welcome to episode three of the One Time Run Podcast. I'm Jesse Corey. For those of you new to the show, I sit down with artists, musicians, and collectors to discuss the art that fills their walls, along with what drives their work process and the role that art plays in their day-to-day lives. For this episode, I sit down with Umberto Hernandez, a.k.a. Andreas, a drummer from Detroit, or as we know him Detroit, as DJ Dez. Since arriving in this city as a teenager, he has become a household name. His masterful turntable skills, hypnotic productions, and undeniable conga abilities place him comfortably at the nexus of Detroit's hip-hop, house music, and jazz scenes. You may know him for his conga work on Erica Badu's Din Jano, produced by Jay Dilla, or his collaborations with Moody Man. Or maybe it's his highly sought-after house music releases under the name Andreas on his La Vida imprint. He has been our go-to DJ for all the events that One Time Run has thrown, and he's also the creator of this show's theme song. I sat down with Dez in his home studio on Detroit's West Side for this interview. All right, we're here over on the west side of Detroit with DJ Dez Andreas. Uh, thanks for hopping on the show with me, and uh, wanted just to talk about a little bit about collecting, about your collection, um, you know, things like that. So, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So we we sit here in your living room, and I you know I've been over here a bunch of times, and a lot of this artwork. Um, coincidentally came um, from the gallery that I used to have and from One Time Run. Um, just kind of tell us, like, how, how did we, uh, how did you go about acquiring some of this, these pieces? Well, how I got most of this art were the events that uh, I, would, I was doing for you guys. And I would, um, I would make sure to uh, take uh, half of my payment in, in art and after a while, they just added up, and they, you know, they accumulated, and you know, now I have a, a pretty, pretty interesting collection. So, what what would you say is some of your highlights here of your collection? Uh, I would say there's there's quite a few. I love these. Uh, this piece I have here is a a Cuban piece from. Radio Nova in Paris. This uh, Jeremy Deputat piece right here overlooking Comerica Park. One of the Black Lives Matter incidents in New York City, which uh, Rick Williams took that picture. Uh, another Jeremy Deputat piece with the MPC over here, my, my weapon of choice. More Cuban art up here from Little Havana. And, uh, of course, you know, these this Peanuts pieces here that's kind of, um, you know, generic, but at the same time just, you know, still adding a lot of color. So I, I just got bit by the bug and just everywhere I go now when I go to New York City. And the only thing I hate is... Um, going overseas and seeing these beautiful pieces that you know you can't take on the plane. You know, you have nightmare stories about stuff getting damaged in in 
and the ship, you know, and the shipment and all that stuff. And I, I like to have it with me, take it with me. So, but yeah, I, I got bitten by the art bug and I really enjoy it. Just that's, that's my family's legacy. Not really music, but art. We all go draw and stuff like that. So I like art. And when I grew up, like, uh, at a very young age, I had a lot of magazine pictures. Like, uh, my whole wall was like a collage. You couldn't see the wall at all. And it was just every picture and poster of whatever rap artist I like. And I, I said, uh, when I get older, I, I want I want art on my wall, but I don't want you know, stuff torn out of a magazine or whatnot. I want actual art. So that's that's what I have on my wall. And then you were talking about Cuba and, and being in Europe and, and traveling and, and kind of picking up little um, pieces of art or memorabilia or photography from those travels. Um, does, it, does it have, like, a, a sentimental value? Does it, like, what does it mean to you? Why Why are you motivated to, like, pick up those things, bring them back, and put them as part of your aesthetic in your home. I guess when, when you're talking about, you know, one's home, or at least for me, my home, my environment, at some point is should mirror, you know, some of my... Uh, some of the, you know some of my travels, some of my experiences. You know what I mean. Some of the places I've been, some some of the things I've seen. A lot of these things have a story behind them, and I like it that way. Um, true enough, those peanuts pieces were just kind of grabbed. I grabbed those at, at Marshalls. Right, but the special thing behind those is um, it's in tribute to somebody very, very dear to me. One of my father's best friends, who was uh, who's passed away, but he was uh, also a musician. He was my father's best friend, and he played on some some classic salsa records and stuff. And I I remember he used to love the Peanuts Gang, so that's my way of thinking about him and keeping him alive and stuff. And he he was just a great person. And uh, that's my way of keeping his memory alive. So even though I came up on those at a simple place like Marshall's, the value and what it means to me is much greater than that. So that's that's why that's, you know, so visible as it is or, or where it's at or whatnot. But... Well, I remember you when you got them and you were showing me, you were like, I know they, they didn't really cost anything. And they were like, you know, at this kind of common store. And it's not a normal place you would pick up something you maybe yeah, hang your house. At all. But you seem like real proud of them. And now I understand that there's like a deeper meaning. So um, I like that. I like that it doesn't have to like, the, it's about the story and about how you translate it, which gives it value. So, you know, we're sitting in this room, it's like there's thousands of records, I mean, stacks of CDs um, with your history in the recording industry as a producer and a DJ. How did you start first collecting music? I guess I guess it's safe to say um, I'm, I have like different 
forms of motivation when it comes to or inspiration when it comes to grabbing records. Like one of them is like uh, nostalgia, like stuff that this very nostalgic, like say that uh, Fat Boy's album cover over there, you know, is a big thing. I, I remember where I was in life, what I was doing around that time, the era and and all that. So some of the records might have you know, something like that, where it's something nostalgic, uh, or most of it, a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is nostalgic. Also, like uh, like Latin records, uh, I look for stuff that either sounds good and is different, same criteria as everything else, but also there's a lot of records that um, my family had, you know, as a child, I came across these records, so is very nostalgic and very personal. And like, you know, that's the first music I fell in love with. The first music I had contact with, the first records I had interaction with were uh, Latin records. So those records are more personal to me than any other records in my collection, really. But always, you know, looking for that new record, the new to me, not necessarily a new record. It could be something old that I don't know nothing about, but just, you know, steadily uh, looking for stuff that's that's going to, in some kind of way, be inspiring or, you know, just some really good ear candy, you know? You have a... Uh, uh storied history with the Detroit hip-hop community. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, memorabilia um, in your house, like some uh, that represent donuts or Dilla. There's Dilla figurines, Dilla 45 box sets. What, what is, how do you feel about um, Dilla being memorialized or people expressing the way that they feel about his music through art? And obviously you have some in your house, so it does touch you in that way, but... How does that make you? What what is your what's your thoughts on that? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, uh, I won't go too heavy into that one, but uh, I think I mean it's complicated. Is yeah, it? I, 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 yeah, it's complicated. But no, nah, um, in all actuality. I think for people to, you know, express, you know, their love for Jay Dilla through anything artistic is is great. I've seen amazing art, a lot of things all over the world. And I think it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Um, what's complicated is everybody, hopefully everyone who, who comes up with this art goes through the proper channels and whatnot as far as, you know, putting these things out. But uh, the way he's immortalized on shirts, I always tell people, like, if you walk, if you walk, if you go to Venice Beach, you're going to see a bunch of, you're going to see Bob Marley, you're going to see Jim Morrison, you're going to see Jerry Garcia, you're going to see Jimi Hendrix. I feel like one of the very few images that we have as far as in hip-hop in our era that you see on 
merchandise, you know, Jay Dilla's image is definitely one of those, you know. It's not too many who you... Uh, I mean, Jay Dilla's right there to me. I don't know if you could say he's as big as... Uh, probably not as big as the Wu-Tang logo, but I'm just saying, like, you know, definitely as far as... The Wu-Tang logo is one thing, but as far as somebody's face, somebody's image, silhouette, I don't know too many images or silhouettes that are that that are so uh, celebrated like Dilla's. So, um, for somebody who comes from that circle, I mean, it's 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 like larger than life. It's like it's unbelievable. It's um, I'm still enjoying this ride. Like I remember when it, nobody knew who he was and things like that. And I, I seen, you know, I seen the world discover him, and I've seen people celebrate him, and maybe not as much as they should, but. It's been wonderful seeing, you know, the love that he gets and stuff. It's been great, you know, and then just, you know, knowing uh, knowing that I share a connection with that is 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 even, you know, it's just as great. Feels great. So I want to talk about you know, some of the exhibitions and events that we've done together over the years, which we've really shared um, some really great times together. Uh, we've uh, done the murals in the market, family reunion block party two years in a row. Um, and we've done, uh, you used to uh, DJ at our gallery all the time for our openings. Um, let's talk about those exhibitions um, and just your experience there. And not just that you're performing or you're just playing the music, but and you wanted to do it, but you also, like, it was just about being a part of the art and, and being part of the scene. I thought I thought it was a, a awesome experience. I, I enjoyed the, the gallery. Um, I had done things before in those kind of settings, but not, not anything that developed into uh, an annual or a... Nothing that developed into like a a real run, if you will. So, um, yeah, this was this was great. Um, I just, you know, I, I like having the freedom to be able to play freely. You know, I enjoy playing for mixed crowds. Uh, the more diverse, the more I can, the less I can stay in the box. You know what I mean? And the same way with, you know, the art and I think was was being conveyed with the art, I think I think it goes well with, you know, um you know, just my uh musical selection and stuff. I think you know, I think it's I think it's I think it's went obviously it's went very well. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just enjoy uh providing that like you never know my thing my my thing is you never know what that next record is going to be and I enjoy providing that element of surprise and people kind of knowing that they're going to hear a little bit of this a little bit of that kind of like 
the show, you know, the radio show I was doing, which I wanted to create a platform where I wouldn't necessarily be held to or boxed into any kind of, you know, if I play this record, that it, it won't be, you know, weird or or out of character for for that situation. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it and. I don't think it's, you know, like I said, when you got a certain kind of music going on, uh, you already got the visual going on, and all you need sometimes is just the right, you know, blend of music to, to, to provide the audio for the visuals you already have and, you know, nice vibes and, and other things or whatnot, and, you know, you got a great situation. And you were able to really assemble over you know, a couple of years, a pretty, pretty diverse uh, collection of art. What, what are some of the, um, the people in your collection that, um, that you've been able to, um, to kind of keep up with and pay attention to? You found, still, still found Kevin Lyons? Yes. Uh, that's somebody who I personally run into, I think like every year and it's great because not too many people whose art I have in my house can I say I know personally or anything like that? Um, but yeah, Kevin's stuff is great. Uh, Jeremy, of course. Uh, Rick, of course. Uh, I have a Sydney James piece in there. Um, what's the what's that artist who draws everyone with the with the with the goggles on? Clifton Perry. No, 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 no. He's his stuff as well. Oh, yeah, because Clifton just did your album, right? Yes. So let's talk about that real quick. So you just put out a new album, um, On Mahogany. Yes. Uh, it's been a while since you put out a full-length album. And, <laughs> and uh, they say eight years. It's been eight, every eight years. <laughs> and so tell me about that collaboration with Clifton and how, how you guys just work together to create the album cover because in albums that you've released in the past there wasn't as much art direction from you in how it translated to the album cover yeah you you, you might be right um yeah it was just uh it was just the idea i had with trying to go with the portrait thing i wanted something kind of kind of serious you know like I don't know, like just like an old school record. You see a guy just posing, and but it, it's like a, I don't know. It kind of looks dignified a little bit, kind of something like that maybe. And then I was like, man, this thing needs color. Let's jazz it up, you know. But he uh, he also designed the Levita logo. So I've been working with with him for a minute. And he does good work. You know, um, my grandmother's portrait, who passed on the other side of the wall, he did that. And the, the curly moon over there. So, yeah, he does great work. So we, we, we uh, you know, we, uh, I guess we got chemistry as far as that, you know, putting that kind of stuff together. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Because I, I see, I see how you uh, have collaborated with Clifton on the album cover, and I know that you're inspired by his artwork, and so it's really nice to see that kind of come together in a package that can communicate what how you feel, communicate. How, you know what you're trying to accomplish in the music. So let's talk about that album really quick. Um, just give us like a little bit of uh, background on what's on it and what's the music on there. Yeah. Well, there's like 12 joints on here. Unless you get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and um, since Andres too. I would really say not Andres one, but since Andres two, I've been make I've been making more of an effort to combine more of my styles into the project, into the album, uh, more of a DJ Dez meets Andres type of thing. So, uh. I know Kenny's been always pushing me, like you know, he was always he would always say like you know you need to you need to put more of your hip hop stuff on there. You need to put more of your hip hop stuff on there. So it's really uh, people always think so. What is it? And, you know, it's funny when they ask because I'll be like, okay, it lets me know if they've been listening or not or whatnot. But like you know, I feel like my bread and butter is you know dance floor, but. Definitely gonna give you some down tempo and and you know even some hip hop stuff. You know, cause I mean, that's what I do originally. <laughs> My you know that's that's clearly more natural. Yeah, know? for sure, for yeah. sure. I mean, when you when you know I, I've I've spent a lot of time together. We've done a lot of projects. Um, I always feel blessed uh, to understand the breadth of your creativity. And and the amount of output that you've created. I mean, you've put out a lot of music. You've made a lot of music. And these albums, I feel like, capture the essence of, you know, the down-tempo, the hip-hop, and, the, and then the house music. But, I mean, at its core, it's beyond, to me, what you would consider dance music or hip-hop. It has its own set of rules and its own sound signature that's different than anybody else's music. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed um, over the last couple of years is that there's kind of a, a bunch of young emerging and uh, musicians here in Detroit. They're all kind of gigging together. And on the way, um, we, were, we were driving down to your Duality Detroit gig on Wednesdays at Motor City Wine. And you said it just really felt nice to be a part of a group, to be in a band, and not just be the producer, but to actually have to play with the drummer and the keyboard player, and and how that changes things a lot of times. Yeah, there's nothing like the interaction amongst other musicians. Like, even if you go and play in the studio, if everybody's laying you know, overdubbing or laying their parts at different times, it's not the same as playing in a room or on a stage with all of the players at that one time playing all together. It's a different kind of thing. It's just the interaction with, between musicians, you know what I'm saying? You're looking at each other, you do something, you know, 
he's going to do something. You guys are feeding off of each other. The energy is, you know, nothing, uh, you know, nothing, nothing can compare to that, you know, and um, that's what I enjoy, you know, just being, knowing your part. Everybody has to know their part. You got to know your part. Because once you know your part, you know not to go over. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know your lane. You're not going to get into nobody else's lane. And, and you know where to keep it and keep it funky, keep it tasteful and, and all these kind of things. Well, as um, thanks for having me over. Thanks for sharing some of your stories with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Wow, listening to Des talk about his collection was truly inspiring. Joining me today, again, is my partner and chief creative director of One Time Run and lifelong music junkie, Dan Armand. Yeah, I really enjoyed this interview. I mean, it's, it's really cool to hear uh, a perspective from a musician um, and an artist like Des. I mean, he's been a staple at our events for years. Um, but behind that, there's so much history, and he's really had his hands in creating a lot of the soundtrack of, I know, my life and a life of, um, you know, many lives around the city of Detroit. Um, so to hear him kind of talk about the intersection of art and music, I think is, is really awesome. And this week for the rundown, we're going to welcome Pietro Chuba to the show, who's been at One X Run for the last nine years, handling artist relations and in-depth interviews. Pietro, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. What's up, Pete? Um, let's talk about Record Store Day and what we've done for these collections and really why um, this collection is so much meaning to you. Yeah, I think uh, the idea for the collection kind of came about uh, because of the show that we had done with Glenn Barr, uh, his lyric exhibition that was centered around 12 by 12 inch paintings. So we decided to build a collection around Record Store Day where they're releasing rare records and kind of interesting new vinyl that is uh, a special packaging or a dyed record, things like that, but kind of apply that to the artists that we work with. So for the first year in 2018, we featured Kevin Lyons and Naturel and just kind of centered around those two. Each one of them picked four of their favorite albums. So Kevin went with John Coltrane's Love Supreme, Dilla's Donuts, Public Enemy's Bum Rush to Show, and Peter Tosh's Legalize It while well, we had Naturel going with Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City, Dre's The Chronic, Nas Omatic, and Janet Jackson's Control. So it was really centered around these iconic albums and these... Uh, are moments that we love because we're all such big music fans. I know, Jesse, you've got Hearns' records at your place. Um, so I think it was really easy for all of us to kind of get behind this collection and for our fans and the artists to kind of jump on it. Well, as an avid record collector, to see some of my favorite records reinvented by some of our most favorite artists, like that marriage is super cool to me. Yeah, I, th I think the support has really been overwhelming after that first year. I think we had a lot of artists reach out and say that they wanted to participate in it or that they were inspired by uh, XYZ album. So it was 
the the last year's collection ended up being 12 artists. Uh, it ended up being a lot of these 12 themes or uh, 33 edition sizes or 45 edition sizes. So it, it ended up being more artists coming in and kind of not necessarily being stuck to that 12 by 12 format, but just more musically themed editions. So it was uh, Luke Chu edition, Scott Listfield, Dan Witts, some of these kind of uh, mainstays of 1X Run really getting into some of their musical histories. And I think that's part of the, the most engaging aspects of it is seeing who are the uh, sonic inspirations to some of these artists that we're so visually accustomed to. Yeah, so we've been deep in the trenches curating this year's collection. Um, Can you give us a little sneak peek about what's coming up? Yeah, um, I think kind of last year there definitely was a a recurring theme. Everybody kind of had David Bowie on top of mind just because he had recently passed. So I think this year's collection, there's always going to be a mix of that kind of iconic album artwork versus uh, somebody that's maybe more top of mind for kind of a recent news collection. Wait, wait, wait. But like, you're not really giving us any insight into who's in this collection. Yeah. I mean, personally, that's always been kind of a, a, an exciting thing for me is to kind of wait for an album to drop. Uh, I think now it's, it's a little different in this kind of streaming era. It used to be you would wait for this album to come out and then you just totally immerse yourself in it. So I, I think that's something that we've always kind of done is uh, really uh, wait for people to get the full reveal without giving too much away. Well, that's what's fun about what we do. We're good at keeping secrets. Always. Well, Pete, thanks again for sitting down with us today for the rundown. Yeah, great to be here. To view some of the art in Des's home studio and to read interviews with past Record Store Day artists, visit news.1xrun.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at the number one, the letter X, R-U-N. Tune in next month as we cross the river to Canada for a studio visit with Denial as we talk about his upcoming residency at Movement, Detroit's Electronic Music Festival. The One Time Run podcast is produced and engineered by Connor Anderson with support from Red Bull Arts Detroit. Thanks for listening to this episode. See you next time.